Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. We need to go back to 2018 in the primary if we can. Um, I said multiple times on this program uh, that I, I wished you wouldn't support uh, Jim Beck for insurance commissioner uh, because I was led to believe by some very credible sources that indictments would be forthcoming uh, relating to uh, his time at the Georgia Underwriters Association and for various things. Well, it didn't happen before the election, but it happened. Uh, I am told by those same sources that other indictments are possible from this. This is not a state charge. It is a federal grand jury has indicted the insurance commissioner, Jim Beck, uh, for self-dealing while the head of the, the Georgia Underwriter Association. He had a, a management responsibility to look out for the Georgia Underwriter Association. The Georgia Underwriter Association essentially was an organization set up by the state to be able to provide insurance for higher risk housing. And I want to uh, just make it easy on all of us. I'm just going to let the um, BJ Pack, he is the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. Uh, let's just listen to him for a minute as he lays out what, why Jim Beck, the insurance commissioner, is getting indicted. As general manager, he'd owed a fiduciary duty to the Georgia Underwriting Association. While he was the general manager, he oversaw the daily operations in all aspects of the GUA. During that same time period, Mr. Beck also had financial interests in two businesses, Creative Consultants and the Georgia Christian Coalition. And beginning 2013, Mr. Beck convinced four of his associates to create four separate businesses with the alleged purpose of supplying Georgia Underwriting Association with services such as residential property inspections and water damage mitigation. However, through an elaborate system of fraudulent invoicing, which I will explain in a second, which included producing false documentation, Beck regularly approved substantial Georgia Underwriting Association's payments to the four newly formed companies that was formed by his associates. Beck then allegedly sent fraudulent invoices from Creative Consultants, an entity that he had control over, and the Georgia Christian Coalition, an, an, another entity who he had control over, to the four companies. Once that was done, Beck would allegedly direct his four associates to pay the fraudulent invoices from a portion of the money paid to their businesses by the GUA. And of course, being the general manager of GUA, it is alleged that Mr. Beck caused GUA to make these payments. We have on the screen here four different aspects of how the grand jury alleges that the scheme worked. Under scheme one, the Georgia Underwriting Association and Jim Beck as general manager will cause invoices submitted by Company A to be paid. The grand jury alleges that the individual with the initials MB and Company A um, would submit an invoice to Georgia Underwriting Association for payment. 
that invoice would include a certain representation of services provided. Now, let, let me pause right here. If you're just tuning in, it is Eric Erickson, Atlanta's Evening News. Uh, this is uh, B.J. Pack. He is the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. He is explaining how the grand jury investigation alleges Jim Beck essentially took money, authorized payments from the um, Georgia Underwriter Association to an outside group that purportedly did work that the work was never actually done, as claimed, and then that in organization would then pay Jim Beck, uh, essentially a pass-through entity so that Beck was paying himself, authorizing payments to this third-party company. This is the uh, BJ Pack, the U.S. attorney, explaining how these payments allegedly worked. However, no such services were provided by Company A. The amount that would be paid by GUA to Company A resulted in 10% of the funds being kept by Company A and remaining 90% of the funds flowing to Creative Consultants, which again the grand jury alleges was controlled by Jim Beck. In the second scheme, very similar, but we have an additional associate, a Company B, and of course you see Company A as well. In this scheme, the Company B the grand jury alleges that provided some services in terms of reviewing property inspections. Grand jury also alleges that the SJM, the operator of Company B, believed, based on representations by Mr. Beck, that Company A was actually providing the inspections. Same thing occurred. A invoice would be submitted from Company A to Company B, and then Company B would also add the amount that Company A would be invoicing to its invoice and submit it to Georgia Underwriting Association. Jim Beck would cause GUA to write a payment to Company B of the funds. Of course, Company B would keep a portion of that money, and grand jury has alleged that a total of $908,000 worth of payments were made from GUA to Company B. Now, I I will stop there. This goes on. These are passed through entities. And again, these are all allegations from a federal grand jury releasing a 30-some-odd, 38-count indictment for wire fraud, mail fraud, and money laundering, uh, basically alleging Jim Beck, the insurance commissioner, defrauded the state-established Georgia Underwriters Association by setting up fake companies to produce fraudulent invoices. He also is accused of funneling money from the Georgia Underwriters Association to prop up the Christian Coalition, uh, where he was also the head of the Christian Coalition at the time or, or had involvement with the Christian Coalition. Uh, big, big deal, of course. Uh, Jim Beck's lawyers are denying the allegations, saying they are going to fight this, and he's looking forward to his day in court. Now, I want to actually go into the indictment, which I spent the afternoon reading the indictment. It's a pretty lengthy indictment. Um, and let me, there's some, I'm sure a lot of you have questions. What's the deal with the Christian coalition aspect of this? Well, let me read you from the indictment how some of this was set up. Um, there are four companies involved. Uh, company A would bill the Georgia Underwriters Association for work the grand jury alleges was never actually done. 
Beck would authorize payment as the manager of the Georgia Underwriters Association to Company A. Company A would then pay Beck 90% of the money. Company B, um, Company A would actually do some other work for the Georgia Underwriters Association, some property inspections, would send the reports to Company B, which would review those property reports, and would then bill the Georgia Underwriters Association for Company's A legit work uh, and Company B's work reviewing it. And money would funnel back to to Beck, allegedly. Company C was another company uh, involved. And then there was Company D, a limited liability company formed at the suggestion and encouragement of Beck in Bowden, Georgia. It had no employees and existed only to produce fraudulent invoices to collect payment for fraudulent invoices and redirect payments received to Beck through the Georgia Christian Coalition. Now, these get into various allegations from the grand jury relating to the Christian Coalition. There's a very specific indictment beginning in the 19th paragraph uh, of how the Christian Coalition was set up. Now, there are letters involved here, uh, SG being one of the letters. These are unnamed people, uh, some of whom may be indicted, others it appears um, e- ratted out, um, allegedly ratted out Jim Beck to the grand jury. In late 2012, Beck approached SG with a business opportunity. Beck told SG he was interested in passing legitimate payments from the Georgia Underwriters Association to the Georgia Christian Coalition in an effort to build up and improve the Christian Coalition. Beck told this individual that the board of directors of the Underwriters Association gave Beck the authority to make such an arrangement. Beck explained that the GUA payment should pass from GUA through another business entity he suggested should be formed that is called Company D. In exchange for handling the flow of payments from Georgia Underwriters to Georgia Christian Coalition, Beck told this person that the guy could keep 10% of every payment that GUA made. And the offer was accepted. So Beck delivered Georgia Underwriters Association checks to Company D. Uh, and money was then flowed through uh, the Georgia Underwriters Association. Now, here's a key paragraph here. All told, between February of 2013 and August of 2018, Jim Beck used the above-described fraudulent schemes to embezzle in excess of $2 million from the Georgia Underwriters Association. $2 $2 million. Now, GAU, you should know, or GUA was was a profitable entity, and that's one of the defenses that Beck's legal team is making, is that the, the company was very, very profitable. Um, I, I, I would suspect, though, that the counter-argument from the prosecutor is, of course, Georgia Underwriters Association was profitable. If it wasn't profitable, people would have stuck their nose in and looked. But because it was so profitable as an entity, no one bothered to question what was happening behind the scenes, as long as the books We're in good shape. More on this when we come back. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the show. That is NetSuite from Oracle. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. I got to tell you, as a small businessman now putting all this radio show stuff together and the resurgent, I'm, I'm sympathetic here. Uh, there's one system for accounting, there's another for sales, another for inventory and so on. It's an inefficient mess. It takes up too much time, too many resources. It hurts the bottom line. So Oracle is introducing NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform, gives you visibility and controls you need to grow with NetSuite. You can save time, money, 
and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite from Oracle is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Eric. That's netsuite.com slash Eric to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Eric. I, I want to take a break from the, the indictment uh, stuff. Uh, there really isn't a whole lot more that needs to be said. Um, but I just, I, I need to to play you this to put a smile on your face. If you don't know, if you hadn't listened for a long time, I grew up listening to classical music. I, I grew up in Dubai. I love classical music. I have always, since I was a kid, I had a, a wonderful teacher, uh, Stephen Middlebrooks, when I was in first grade who we had to learn the biographies of the famous composers in fourth grade. We had to do it all over again. And he was my sixth grade teacher. I love classical music. I had a teacher who loved it so much. He imparted to me an appreciation for classical music. And I try to get my kids to listen on occasion to classical music, if only to show them how popular songs they like are influenced by Bach, Beethoven, Haydn, Handel, and the like. Uh, Well, there was a performance over the weekend of the Masonic funeral music. It was written by Mozart in 1789, and it was Boston's Handel and Haydn Society. It is the third oldest musical organization in the U.S. It was founded in 1815. I want to play you this audio, and you can listen. Someone brought their child who had the first word after the music ended. childlike wonder and wows and woes in the world. Uh, that's just fantastic. That that made me smile uh, when I saw it, to, to have a child react like that to a piece of music that is as amazing as, as that music. Um, if you've never taken your child to a symphony, I, I you know, when I was little, my parents would send me, to, take me to the symphony. Uh, when we would travel to Europe, when we lived in Dubai, we would go to, to the opera and things like that. I, I just, I, I realize it's not everybody's cup of tea. But I thought it was a neat experience as a child to be able to witness stuff like that. And I'm glad this child reacted that way as well. When we come back, I want to break down uh, the last of the grand jury information. And then women are really, really outraged by Game of Thrones. It is 54 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB-TALK. Uh, prior to heading over to... Man, you guys should see pictures of the of the dude um, who was found guilty. My goodness gracious. For a squirrely little voice on radio, he's just covered in tattoos. And I don't mean like arms and legs. I mean all over his face. He has... 
tattoos all over him. It just, I mean, he's got, let's see, cursive writing. Um, he's got stars of David. He's got, I mean, this guy just, wow. Um, you know, you can put on a coat and tie and look, look professional, but when you've got cursive writing tattooed all over your face and neck. It's not going to do any good. Um, my goodness. Now, uh, to the other legal news of the day that we were talking about is is insurance commissioner Jim Beck uh, indicted a 38 count indictment by the U.S. attorney. And question is, um, what happens with Beck? Well, let me just read you this from the AJC under state law. If the insurance commissioner does not resign or ask to be suspended, the governor can act after a 14-day waiting period. If the elected official chooses to remain in office, the governor must appoint a three-person commission to look into the charges and make a determination whether they relate to his duties. The commission then has 14 days to make that determination. If they find they do, the governor must suspend the official and name a temporary replacement. Uh, now, I would tell you in advance, uh, I, I don't know how the governor is going to get around this provision because these provisions, the indictment relates to Beck's time as manager of the Georgia Underwriters Association, which is directly tied into uh, the insurance commission uh, and the work of the insurance commissioner. And so there's a direct relation to that uh, under state law. So uh, this puts the governor in a position where he's going to have to take action, I would suspect. But again, there's a 14-day waiting period. After the 14-day waiting period, uh, the governor can then um, – he can appoint a panel to look into it. They've got 14 days to decide whether or not the allegations of the indictment are related to the insurance commissioner's job. I suspect they will find that. I suspect they will – uh, do such a thing. And again, so the very same sources who during the election were telling me that this was going to happen eventually are telling me that there may be others who are indicted as well. It appears that mm, people cooperated. One of the things that the indictment alleges over and over and over is that uh, Beck used his personal email account, his personal email account. Uh, they would know this because they have copies of emails, maybe not from him, but from others. So, yeah, he's going to have to decide what he wants to do. Obviously, he wants to zealously defend himself. Uh, but, hey, you know what? I have a recommendation for the insurance commissioner. What he should do is hire David Ralston. If the insurance commissioner hires the Speaker of the House, it doesn't matter whether he's guilty or not. He could drag this sucker out to infinity and beyond. I mean, the Buzz Lightyear of, of legal defenses here, just drag it out to infinity and beyond. I Go, go hire David Ralston. Uh, by the way, speaking of Ralston, more of the victims are coming forward. We will have more of them as the, as the party, Republican Party, heads to Savannah. Now they're going to have to deal with this issue as well. And who all was on the Georgia Underwriting Association board uh, who was overseeing Jim Beck? Will that play into it? Uh, one of the candidates is pushing out stories on the other related to that. Maybe we'll get into that if we have time.
Hello and welcome. It is the second hour Atlanta's evening news here on WSB. I am Eric Erickson and the phone number here is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, we've got to move on. Uh, actually, I, I can't move to some of the national stuff I would like to move to. Is, is the, There is national stuff there, but there's also Georgia stuff we need to get to. Also, the, the outrage, feminist outrage over Game of Thrones. I hope to be able to talk about this. It doesn't matter whether you like Game of Thrones or not. It doesn't matter whether you watch it. This is just, it's a fantastic story. But before I can get there, another bar complaint has been filed against House Speaker David Ralston. Um, we had on Amanda Mosier last week who had filed a bar complaint, but this one is very striking. Um, according to the latest bar complaint, uh, it says, let me just read you the AJC report. Uh, in 2015, David Ralston, Speaker of the House, used legislative leave to put off a tr- pretrial conference in a domestic violence case. But he then attended a golf tournament fundraiser for himself at a North Georgia mountain resort with a supporter presenting him with a $289 box of cigars campaign finance reports show. A listing on the Medical Association of Georgia's website described it as an all-day event with a suggested minimum donation of $500. A month later, Ralston bowed out of another court appearance in the case, telling the judge by letter, quote, my duties and obligations will require that I be elsewhere each and every day during this week. But according to a South Georgia newspaper article from 2015 on the date of the scheduled pretrial conference, Ralston was at a fundraiser for GOP House colleague Mike Chokas at a Best Western Hotel in Americus, Georgia. Uh, Ralston referred the AJC to a lawyer, and in an email, the lawyer said the accusations were either absolutely false, incorrect, or misleading by omission. That's what your lawyers always say. Now, so we've got two bar complaints against the Speaker of the House. Uh, one of the individuals uh, involved here is Jaden Carpenter. Her ex-fiance is charged with choking, biting, and headbutting her in 2013. Uh, Ralston delayed the case seven times. According to her, uh, he has totally abused and misused his authority and position as Speaker of the House to manipulate people and situations in court cases to get what he wants for his client. Now, I have said all along that it appeared that the Speaker of the House in Georgia basically operated where he monetized these continuous delays. The, the AJC, the initial report that set off all these investigations and complaints, uh, quoted one of Ralston's clients as saying he paid the speaker thousands of dollars and, and knew the speaker would do something like this, would would drag things out, make sure it never had to go to trial. Uh, the Republicans are going to have to answer you. So you now got two situations for the Republicans in the state of Georgia. They've only taken uh, complete statewide powers since really 2004, 2006. So slightly more than 10 years. And you've now got an insurance commissioner under federal indictment on 38 counts, and you've got the Speaker of the House representatives embattled. Um, What's the GOP going to do in 2020 in Georgia? If they don't hold the House and the Senate in Georgia in 2020, the Democrats get to write 
redistricting. They get to draw the lines. Or a federal judge, probably one sympathetic to the Democrats, get to draw the lines. The Republicans have to hold on to the legislature. Legislature, If they don't, they don't have the power to draw their redistricting lines. They could lose and lock in a Democratic majority for a decade in the legislature if they don't take action against the Speaker, if they don't deal with these situations, if they don't put out these fires. Do you really think that we're not going to see these women in campaign ads for the Democrats in 2020? I mean, this is going to become a bigger deal for the GOP. How badly do they want their majority? Do they want it bad enough that they're willing to defy the speaker? Because something needs to happen there. These are going to be very interesting issues as the Republicans head to Savannah. They're having their convention this weekend. Um, And you've got Scott Johnson and David Schaefer vying to be chair of the party. John Watson stepping aside, uh, not contesting it. And you've got this uh, sense of panic setting in among Republicans in the state over the lay of the land for 2020. Now, demographically, the state of Georgia is still Republican. This, by the way, I think is is why so much of the analysis from reporters in the state, including I think some at the AGC over the uh, pro-life, the fetal heartbeat law, is misguided. Um, they're, they're basing, I think, some of the opinions on the 2018 election, and the data shows that in 2018, Democrats, it's not that there were more Democrats in the state of Georgia, it's that they turned out at a presidential level, and Republicans turned out at an off-year election level. In 2018, you're going to have Republicans turning out at a presidential level election because it's going to be a presidential level election. But there are certainly issues Republicans have to address. They can't just say, oh, it was turnout, well, I better turn out in 2020. They're going to have to figure out the ground game issue for themselves. They have got to get organized now. There are some state Republican parties around the country that are actually beginning their ground game organization for 2020 right now. And I don't know that Georgia is one of those. There's also a fundraising component. The Georgia Republican Party needs to raise money for itself. Uh, And then there's the issue of of the media in the state of Georgia. Talk radio, by and large, in Georgia, other than like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., is mostly nationally focused in Georgia. So it's very, very hard for Republicans in the state to get their message out. If you want to get it out in the news and you want to be statewide, you've either got to go to the individual markets, which can be time-consuming, or you've got to go to something like GPB, where a lot of Republicans would say they're kind of biased. They don't want to go there. Uh, if they want to go on talk shows around the state and, and engage with conservative activists who tend to listen to talk radio in the state, well, they got to figure out a way to get on Rush's show or Glenn Beck or or Sean Hannity or someone, or they got to go individual market by individual market to morning shows between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. They're going to have to figure out ways to break into a media market in Georgia and be able to get their voices heard, particularly in a media market that is increasingly hostile to them. And yeah, I think when you look at some of the, the network works out there that are hiring people to cover 2020, what you find is more and more they're hiring people who are from left of center organizations coming in to pretend to be objective reporters. That's going to hurt the Republicans in 2020. You've also got the Abrams machine that's on the ground, uh, raising money, trying to fundraise, trying to keep issues alive. So all of these come to play this coming Friday and Saturday in Savannah, Georgia, as the Republicans meet. And on top of that, now they're going to be greeted by the issues of two scandals. One, the insurance commissioner 
governor of the state of Georgia under a 38-count indictment by the federal government. They repeatedly mention in the indictment that they have his uh, private or personal emails. Someone clearly ratted out the insurance commissioner, and and I suspect that some of those unnamed individuals who aren't being indicted, it's pretty clear a couple of these people didn't know what they were getting into. They, the allegations of the indictment imply that they trusted and were, their trust was taken advantage of. And again, they're allegations, nothing's been proven, but it's not good to have an insurance commissioner indicted. I think we can admit that. Then you have the speaker issue and, and the problems with the speaker and those issues aren't going away. We're going to see some of these women who are victims appear in advertisements for the Democrats next year. And the advertisements will be directed against some of these Republicans who have refused to take a stand. It'll be directed against the Republicans in general. The The perception that the Republicans in Georgia are have become corrupt, they've gotten comfortable in their positions, and they've lost touch with the people. And that could impact Purdue. It could impact Trump. It could impact the Republicans statewide. So they're going to have to figure out ways around these issues. And I don't know that they've, they've actually figured them out. I think a lot of them are still kind of shell-shocked from the November election. A lot of the Republicans I've talked to are still kind of in denial about what happened, that their majorities are, are at risk by only a handful of seats. I mean, the House, I think, what, there's a six-seat majority? Pretty close in the House representatives in Georgia. And you got a Speaker of the House. You know, the irony here, just the irony of this, bear, bear with me one second here. We'll move on to other things here when, when I get back. But the irony here is this. If David Ralston were no longer Speaker, do you know who the Speaker would be? A mom. A mom whose kids went to public school in North Fulton County. So there are your optics for the Republicans They've circled the wagons around a man who helped various people stay out of court so they didn't have to go to jail, and they could embrace the Speaker Pro Tem, who's a suburban mom whose kids went to public school. Do the Democrats really want to face uh, Jan Jones as as Speaker of the House in Georgia? Do you really want to make her an issue? Uh, what a better uh, face as well for this fetal heartbeat legislation, the Speaker of the House being a woman in Georgia. You would think the Republicans would want to think about that and maybe do that, but right now they're too busy circling wagons to realize what they're circling. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the show. That is NetSuite from Oracle. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. I got to tell you, as a small businessman now putting all this radio show stuff together and the resurgent, I'm, I'm sympathetic here. Uh, there's one system for accounting, there's another for sales, another for inventory and so on. It's an inefficient mess. It takes up too much time, too many resources It hurts the bottom line. So Oracle is introducing NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform, gives you visibility and controls you need to grow with NetSuite. You can save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone. That's why NetSuite from Oracle is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Eric. That's netsuite.com slash Eric to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Eric.
It is Eric Erickson here on WSB. Real quick from Twitter, a comment from Andrew on Twitter. A key difference between the two scandals in Georgia is that the insurance commissioner is an individual crook who's been indicted, allegedly. Uh, Ralston's a crook who the GOP could remove from his office, but has chosen so far not to. Big difference. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, One the GOP could quickly remove um, for his actions Uh, The other one, not so much. Uh, One is an individual. The other, well, lots of lots of people coming forward. So now let's see. Do I have time? Yes. uh, No, I don't. I don't. Be patient, uh, those of you on the phone, because I don't have a lot of time here to be able to get to your phone calls. I don't want to make it abrupt. So when we come back, I will take your phone calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We also do need to move into the other issues of the day, including David Axelrod saying what I've been noting for a while. There are real fissures growing within the Democratic Party as they head into their primary. The, the, the polling suggests that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And in fact, I think it's true. Joe Biden probably will be the nominee, but it's not necessarily so. And he's starting to get some blowback from the left. They don't particularly want him. They want the Green New Deal, which Biden has no interest in giving them. It is 39 after the hour, and I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number here, 49... uh, Sorry, getting text messages while I'm trying to talk gets annoying and distracting. Uh, The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let us uh, go to the phones now. Patrick has been waiting very patiently in Marietta. Patrick, welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So my question, uh, my representative, Don Parsons, I called him before the legislature broke and asked him to uh, stand up to and to call for the removal of David Ralston. He absolutely would not do it. Uh, he won the pr- his primary election by over 60 percentage points. And I'm wondering what our options are from a primary standpoint. Is there really an option there to hopefully remove him from office before the general election? You know, it is difficult, particularly because, I mean, frankly, if I can be honest here, and and I'm going to offend a lot of people, don't text me people, um, trying to find a credible person to stand up and and run as a primary challenge has been difficult. There have been people who have done it in the past um, against multiple candidates in the state legislature. And oftentimes they're single issue candidates or they're making it uh, about one issue as opposed to putting together a real campaign to run. I think a lot of these guys are beatable, uh, and, but they got to have credible primary challengers against them. And frankly, I think a lot of the people who look in the mirror and, and view themselves as credible, no one else does. And, and they lack the self-awareness to realize it. So that's that's the hard part. I, this is an issue I think the Republicans themselves are going to have to address. The Republicans in the state house, before we get to primaries and potential primary challenges to anybody, the Republicans in the House representatives are going to have to make this decision. They can sign David Clark's resolution. David Clark has a resolution calling for the removal of the speaker. Only 10 people have been willing to sign it. Is anybody going to come forward now? This is going to be a campaign issue against the Republicans in 2020. And I'm willing to bet that this is more damaging to the GOP than the fetal heartbeat legislation. 
Now, uh, back to the phones, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk, Charlene in Athens, you're next. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi, I have a question. Okay. Um, I know uh, like a week or so, two weeks ago, they had an issue where the lady who killed her child and then they gave her the death penalty. How come they didn't give these people here the same principle of killing a child? How come they didn't get the death penalty? I am gonna. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to offer an educated guess. Um, if the uh, father was high on drugs, it's more difficult to prove an intent to kill. And you have to prove a, a specific intent to kill someone in order to give someone the death penalty in Georgia. Um, if you got a specific intent and you show a, a specific intent, a malice of forethought, they call it in legal terminology, that's easy that that then you can get the window of death penalty cases. But without that, you can't. And frankly, a lot of prosecutors, they aren't going to charge the death penalty in a lot of these sorts of cases because um, it, it adds difficulties, it adds a, appeals, it adds all sorts of burdens uh, to the taxpayers as well. And so they just, they don't do it. Um, now, to the phones we go again to Joey on 400. You're going to be next. Welcome to the program, Joey. Hey, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Uh, so my theory on Sleepy Joe is that I feel like the Democrat Party and possibly Obama rolled Joe out and wanted him to be the, the nominee, much like they wanted Hillary to be the nominee. So that provides them with yet another opportunity for uh, Sleepy Joe to cover up some of the Obama misdeeds hey. and some of the FBI stuff. But I think I feel like hold on before you go. Uh, I feel like that what happened with Rosenstein, I think Rosenstein was probably on board with some sort of whatever they call a silent coup. But after uh, Sessions was removed, he knew he knew his days were numbered. And so, well, I feel you know, like I, I got to tell you, um, so, so Rosenstein is now an enemy of the left. All of a sudden, uh, they've come out after Rosenstein because he's attacking Comey. Uh, Rosenstein says Comey deserved to be fired. He's doubled down on firing Comey, said the president was right to fire him, and that Comey's become a partisan hack, basically, degrading the office of, of the FBI uh, director and harming the agency overall by what he's done. The left is really livid with Rod Rosenstein today. Uh, he's been highly critical of them, and it turns out that now the left suspects Rosenstein was actually protecting the president all along. I can't listen. He, he, I realize I got a lot of friends who, like Joey was articulating, have a lot of theories as to what's been going on. Uh, listening to other radio shows, uh, think certain people are involved. You, you got the radio show hosts out there who have the big spider web of of interconnected strings putting everything together. I, life is not that complicated. It's really not that complicated. The Democrats are putting up Joe Biden because they're scared to death of the left. And you and I may view the Democrats as of the left, but a lot of Democrats don't view themselves that way. Let me play you this. Uh, well, I don't have time to play this audio from David Axelrod now. Um, it, we'll see if we can get when we come back. But Axelrod basically saying the Democrats are gravitating to Joe Biden. The establishment figures are gravitating to Biden as quickly as they are because they see what's happening on the far left of their party and that that far left is becoming more mainstream within their party and they're scared of it because they know that'll help Donald Trump get reelected. 
So they're looking at Joe Biden not because they think he'll protect and cover up stuff from the Obama era. They're looking at Joe Biden because they think that he can be the person who stops that far left fury from moving towards the rest of the Democratic Party. Yeah, believe it or not, a lot of Democrats don't view themselves as progressive socialists, even if they are. They don't view themselves that way. And they look at the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of the world and they think, oh, my God, this girl's nuts. We got to stop her within the party. Did you know the average guy is going to spend 3,000 hours of his lifetime shaving? You don't want to waste four months of your life overpaying for poor performing razors. Invest that time with Harry's quality shaving supplies at a fair price. Yes, it is quality and it is a fair price. In fact, it is a better price than what you're going to pay for the super expensive name brands with all the little gimmicks, the 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 fancy that where they can heat the lather and vibrate the heads and all that. You, you don't need all that stuff. Harry's just has a great five blade razor. You get a very close, good shave. I have always been hesitant with five blade razors because they all seem to give me razor burn. I use Harry's five blade razor. I haven't worried about razor burn. It's a great razor. Well designed. They bought their own factory in Germany. Turns out world-class steel blades, good shave. New customers get it for $5 off a trial set with Harry's, uh, with code Erickson at harrys.com. So you get a razor, you get a weighted handle, you get foaming shave gel and a travel cover all for just three bucks, three bucks plus free shipping. When you use code Erickson at harrys.com. So go to harrys.com today. You join 10 million guys who've tried Harry's. And girls, too. Use code Erickson at checkout to claim your offer. And, you know, that tells them that I sent you there. Makes me influential. Helps me. So go get your razor blades from harrys.com using my last name as your code. Let's go to the phones. Uh, I guess I'll get to Game of Thrones tomorrow. It's actually a good story. But we'll have to get there later. Andrew and Marietta, you're going to be next. Welcome. Andrew, hi there. uh, When are you doing your local beer tour again? You know, that is a good question. We need to, I guess we need to go do some road trips. I, I, I may need to like reserve a bay at Top Golf or something and just tell folks to meet me at Top Golf or go to a local brewery or something. And and it, sometimes it gets to be a little hassle, all the, the technological requirements and startup and all to carry all the equipment out to a local place and, and do the show. Maybe I just need to show up afterwards and grab a beer with listeners. Uh, you know, speaking of reformation, uh, hats off to them. They're doing wonderful things up in Woodstock. They've got a great facility up there. They, they, they had a great one and now they've got a new one and I haven't been up to it yet. And I need to go up there. Michael Caldwell, who, uh, state representative who's running for the state Senate up there. I keep telling him I'll come up and knock on doors for him. And he keeps telling me to come up and, and go see the place. I need to do that. I'm, I'm a big fan. In fact, I was at the gym earlier wearing my reformation brewery t-shirt we got a lot of local breweries firing up around town. We we I went to one in Macon last night um, called Piedmont Brewery, which is they, they make this lager called Satisfied. It was actually quite satisfying. I like it. We need to do this again. 